So, did you watch the Super Bowl? Actually, no. I gamed during the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. You're really a gamer now, huh? I mean, it was just Civilization, but I was like, eh, <laughs> like, it's the Super Bowl. I, yeah, I wasn't super into it. I didn't even know it was actually this weekend until, like, Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, it was, yeah, I did check the scores, like, once in a while, and then I was like, okay, it's what I expected it to be. I caught a little bit, I think, of the halftime show, like just the second half of the halftime show, and then I just went back to save. Yeah, you didn't miss much. Like, the game kind of sucked, but that's also because I hate Tom Brady. Still? Um, I mean, yeah, like, like I, I don't like Tom Brady. Okay, that's, fair. Uh, like, in any other situation, I probably would have been really happy for the Bucks. Like, I am really happy for the rest of the team. Because, like, the coach has, like, a diverse staff uh-huh. and, like, he's a good person and, like, the re- and they're, like, underdogs in the sense of, like, they have been sucking yeah. for the last, like, <laughs> decade. But they also have Tom Brady and they also have Antonio Brown and, you know, it's just it, – it, I couldn't root for them and I was hoping the Chiefs would win, but – you know, it it's it is what it is. And, uh, and the halftime show, like, what did you think of what you saw at the halftime? Show? So I caught it in two parts because I flipped between the two. I saw a little bit of the running around through the gold mirrors, <laughs> that part. But I saw more of the meme portion of that. And then I went back and watched what that was. And then I yeah. saw, like, I think the very last song, like, out on the field where they're running around with, like, bandaged faces. Yeah. And, like, like uh, it was... The, the, the thing that was going through my mind during that entire sequence on the field was like, do you think they practiced this and were they all wearing masks when they practiced it? I assume I had that thought. Did they practice this? But I assumed the answer was yes. Cause I was like, these guys must've practiced this for a while. Yeah. Like, and I assume mask wise, do you mean masks as in like regular masks for like COVID stuff or like the weird diaper masks? <laughs> like so like i assume the diaper masks were also like covid safe. covid masks yeah. but like designed poorly like i don't i don't know what they were going for with those they were like trying to make like something neat so it didn't look like everyone was wearing masks but they they looked like they looked almost like some sort of like b movie like slasher killer the way it was like like their face was bandaged up or something. But I don't know. you know what they were going for with the diaper mask, right? No. Ah, okay. So that I actually got the reference of the diaper mask, which is to say it's based on The Weeknd's latest album and like all the music videos he's been putting out for it have been about uh. the man in red, which was, I guess, his outfit was who that guy normally is. Like The Weeknd. Gotcha. But like the character of that guy, the man in red in like three music videos that all came from this last album, he gets like in one of them, he's wearing a heavy like bandaged up mask. And then in another one, he's heavily modified to look like he's like post plastic surgery and his face is all grotesquely swollen and stuff. And it's basically the episodes of each music video is him getting more and more like unrecognizable. And so, like, mm-hmm. people were wondering, is he going to continue that storyline? Because he said he would in the Super Bowl. But he chose to come out as his regular face. But all the diaper mask people are what, like, 
the man in red was slowly turning into. He says like this is a commentary on like celebrities focus on like um, plastic surgery and looks and stuff like that. And he wanted them like the weekend's character is becoming unidentifiable as the moods, the different music videos come out is like, so there was like a whole like thought process behind the diaper masks. <laughs> huh? Yeah. I like, I don't listen to the weekend's music, uh-huh. so I was not aware of any of that, but it's actually, uh, it, since it was going into a theme, like I'll, I'll give it points. Like that, that, was... that was the one part where I was like, Oh, the diaper mask people. I, I, that's why I got what they were going for. And I was like, it is weird. And it happens to sync up really well. Cause I know that's not a COVID thing. That's actually just a, <laughs> the weekend's commentary on celebrityism, and it's interesting. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's cool. And the last important thing to talk about with the Super Bowl is once again, like I can't fucking remember any of the commercials. That I can't remember anything good. Like it, it for the last couple years now, it's uh, it's been bad. Like the commercials, they're they're not very creative anymore the last good one i think was uh, the one that made every ad a tide ad <laughs> but i feel like this would have been a weird year for commercials just in general like well, yeah but that that's the, that's the other thing is like it was weird because there were a lot of commercials of like people hanging out and doing stuff together and that was weird to begin with oh they had that i was wondering do you go yeah. normal or do you go like oh remembrance and like somber or like they they it was a little bit of everything and like there was there was a couple real bullshit ads like the i think the worst one was a jeep ad where it was like everyone's got to come together you know uh. we're, we're all different so like even you know republicans and democrats need to reach across the aisle and get together and everyone was like fuck that like <laughs> i saw a real good tweet on it and i i can't remember who said it but it was it was a long sort of long story about it and it was just like all the commercials and corporations and companies and like talking heads are all like trying to get to the healing part without letting us have the anger and the disappointment and like the rage and all those and like so seeing all these ads where they're trying to like profess this sort of healing attitude where everyone's in this together and we're all just gotta come together and work it out and like they're trying to erase they're sort of missing the point and they're erasing the actual emotions that people need to feel before we can get to that point it's a very fair point i mean but i mean yeah it's the super bowl it's they're on a time limit yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah you can't really break down like everything although I, it, it would have been great if, if someone just bought like a 30 second ad and was just like, fuck Nazis, fuck Nazis, fuck Nazis, fuck Nazis, just like for 30 seconds. Uh, they Reddit did sneak in like a three second blip just because they apparently Reddit was able to afford three seconds of a commercial air slot. And they did it to be like, haha, we we did stocks. And yeah. Oh, God, let's never talk about stocks again. <laughs> it's only gone down <laughs> yeah stocks are no longer we, we they had their fun in the sun and uh let's move on all the people cashed out who needed to cash out and the rest of us nope <laughs> still waiting for the moon huh it's a gamer we're here it's a gamer this makes no fucking sense but we're doing it anyway 
Hello everyone, and welcome to Make Me a Gamer, the procedurally generated podcast that's a roguelike for your ears. I'm your host, Atma, and I'm here with... Harvey Z, in the place to be. And I've kind of altered my online persona. I, I am no longer a T-Man. We'll get to that at the end of the episode when we do all our plugs and where we can find you, but I have uh, abandoned all my handles that I've been using so far. So uh, stay tuned to figure out where I am now. <laughs> cool. We look forward yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah. So you have something prepared for today. I do. But... It's it's a bit long, but I mean, do we need to run right into it? I mean... Now, so so I, I want to start off with something and then we'll, we'll st- go into yours and, and see where that takes us and how long it takes. But... You you reacted to something I said earlier today on Twitter, and oh god! If you had to ha- hazard a guess, what do you think the cum dungeon is? Don't put me on this spot. I mean, <laughs> you know what I thought it was. <laughs> they all know. I'm just pointing to the audience right now. They all know where my mind went with that. I mean, we all call it different things, and I mean. <laughs> Sure, that is a phrase, a euphemism. I haven't personally used it, but I've heard variations on it. But okay. What, what's, a, what's a variation? Give me a variation. Oh, no. Harvey Z keeps it clean for the children. Just <laughs> Yeah, Harvey just, Z keeps it clean. Just take uh-huh. the first word and insert other locations and objects behind it, and I'm sure you'll get other ideas of where it goes. <laughs> it was just I had not heard of that particular pairing of words before um Uh, (laughs) i didn't go to actually to be fair now i'm thinking about it i didn't think of an actual dungeon itself which i suppose a cum dungeon could be something i mean but i went to a euphemism for a body part but that's uh, that's where i went with so you were you weren't thinking literal dungeon no come on i have a little bit more common sense than that come on what Uh, 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 sorry but yeah so i was just like for what it's worth as well i was like would i call mine a cum dungeon that seems weird because it's like a dungeon for cum like because i was like is it masculine is it feminine is it what it's it's weird but i was like what is a cum dungeon a dungeon for cum (laughs) <laughs> that's what i mean because you even spelled you didn't give me any ambiguity with the spelling there was no i mean that that's what they call it so i'm not i'm not holding anything back i, I it's it's what they call who it. who calls it who are these depraved okay. people uh, <laughs> all right so so i've been playing bloodborne i knew that and <laughs> there there is this mechanic in bloodborne uh what is called chalice dungeons and challenge dungeons are basically these randomly generated, almost roguelike-esque, procedurally generated dungeons that use like a set tile base from from the Bloodborne game. And every time you you do an offering to a chalice, you get like a random smattering of different rooms and hallways and enemies and bosses. Uh, for each like level of the the chalice dungeon that you go into and you're like there, there's a there's four different tiers and like each tier is harder than the last one and you like you can only progress further 
uh, getting the the harder dungeons by beating the easier ones and so on and so forth. Um, and this is like a separate thing from the main game. Like you don't you you get some good stuff from completing the chalice dungeons, but it's not necessary to complete the game. Like you can play the entire game without. Uh, mm -hmm. like the main story main plot without ever touching a chalice dungeon uh, and they do get very repetitive there's a lot of them and the variety isn't great so it it they're not they're, they're the everyone's knows and says they're the weakest part of the game um, so that's the setup basically what one user did was I, I i don't know if there's an actual way to create a dungeon like if you you can actually make your own dungeon or if he just happened to create a randomly generated chalice dungeon that had this effect or whatever but when you create a dungeon they're all assigned like codes like if you want to keep that dungeon active and like have other people explore it you can like get this code and give it out to everyone and like all, all you have to do in your game is like type in this eight letter code and you get you generate a specific dungeon so it's kind of like a seed mm -hmm. um so there's this one dungeon that was created where you load into it you take like five steps forward and wait and an enemy you can't see accidentally kills itself somehow and gives you 80,000 souls, which is, is basically the equivalent of experience points in this game. And that's a, that's a pretty big number. So it's you don't do anything and you get like five or six levels worth of souls just by entering this dungeon. And someone made this level. It wasn't pre-built by the people or some weird Correct. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was created by somebody. And it's been popularized and everyone is like, everyone uses it now to like power level and, and make things easy. And, and it's, it's nice for other reasons, but it's called the cum dungeon because the code for it is C U M M M F P K. Okay. And so just collo colloquially, everyone in, in the Bloodboard community started calling it the cum dungeon. I wouldn't have gone there, but okay. It was, it was <laughs> not where... Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so it doesn't actually have anything to do with anything uh, that you might have been thinking of. Okay. But just just the words, just random happenstance of letters. Okay, because I, I saw the phrasing and I thought about it for a while and I was like, this is weird. That is why I... I was legitimately honest in my tweet where I was like, is this about video games, dude? Are you okay? Right, I want, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say my, what I, what I tweeted here. Here is what I tweeted. And this is for the listeners at home and me. I haven't read it. Oh, oh, you, oh, the first, you, you oh. read it. You commented on it. I thought a reply. Okay. Go for no, it. No, 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 no. The, the, what I tweeted was broke using the cum dungeon to level your character. Woke. Using the cum dungeon so you never have to farm for blood vials ever again. What part of that screams not a video game to you? I'm really curious. So my initial, because I came up with lots of replies for this and deleted all of them. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I was originally like, you should see a doctor for this. If you're trapped in your cum dungeon for more than three hours, again, go to the emergency room. <laughs> like, it just kept like, I don't think it's supposed to bleed, buddy. 
but it's the, like because I'm like, like blood leveling vials. your character. Like, is do you did you think that was a euphemism oh, too? I level my character all the time. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I mean, I was leveling up a couple days ago. A couple this morning, I leveled up. You know, you know, you know what I'm I'm hearing. I'm hearing the fucking Mario one up sound like <laughs> it's an extra life. <laughs> it's yeah. Oh, I was just like, it's the dumbest we've ever been. It was, oh no, like, no, I don't. It was just great. Cause it was just, yeah. Like if I, because then my first thought was, or not my first, but my second and third and fourth thoughts were like, so how would I use come dungeon as like a pickup line? How would I use it as a euphemism? How would I make this work? And it was just because I had never heard those two words again, come and dungeon together to call something a come dungeon. And my imagination just reeled at the possibilities. (laughs) But yes, it did not go to location. I immediately went to like, what object would I call my come dungeon? I I don't even want to know. And again, we're going to we're going to end it there. Happy that, Valentine's enough. Day, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Hope you you all had a, a successful meet with your cum dungeons on uh, Valentine's Day. And, uh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, OK, that's enough of that. What, what do you got? Hopefully a little less cum, a little more dungeon. It was so you gave me like an assignment and I totally forgot about the assignment until this morning and i just knew it was valentine's day related and i had to get some valentine's day and video game stuff ready to go and so like a little cat filter lawyer i'm gonna give this a shot and wing it or yeah i think that's a better lawyer to go with than the other crappy lawyer of the week kind of thing yeah the cat filter lawyer yeah okay have yeah, you seen that good. video by the way it's fucking adorable. yeah yeah I just yeah, love yeah, the end. That. The sincerity of I promise I'm not a cat. Not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I I've read the words, I see the joke, it's funny, but then I watched the video at the end of the day when I've seen this meme like four or five times and I heard it for the first time and it was just oh that that brings <laughs> joy to me. Anyway, so for this, uh because I forgot what the original assignment was, I made up my own assignment and I'm just gonna turn that in instead. But for that, I, the, my, before you begin, I just I think it's funny because like I didn't actually give you an assignment. I suggested that we might want to do something as like a Valentine's Day theme, and you came up with something you were going to do independently, and then you forgot what you were going to do. <laughs> that that's what happened here. You didn't forget what I assigned you. You forgot what you assigned yourself. And then I and then all I remembered was there was an assignment, and then I assumed. You would be disappointed if I didn't have the assignment done. And so I did it for myself and all of the people. Yeah. Um, So for this, though, I need, of course, my special guest. I've forgotten most of his name, but I think his name is, was it Dr. Zed PHZ? Yes. Yeah. Dr. Zed PHZ. I didn't know if he had a first name. I don't know. Is he baloney? I was going more with Frank. I wanted to, if he had a name, was Frank on Z, Frank on Zed. And there was a whole routine and joke that I had made, like, back when he was originally created. But, no, that's too much sausage. So let's just bring him in. Okay. Dr. Zed. Dr. Zed. Welcome. I forgot if I had an accent or not. I was No, don't, don't even try. Dr. Zed, I appreciate you. You don't have an accent. Just... 
just do, do I it. I was sure. Go. I was sitting in the bathroom practicing various accents. I think I was German, <laughs> but I don't know how to do German. Is this German? <laughs> no, that's just your voice. Like, you aren't even doing an accent. I worked all day on that. I was next to Harvey <laughs> Z. He was leveling up the whole time. Okay, fine. Uh, I don't know a German accent, but I am, of course, Dr. Z, PhD, and I'm here with more informational research involving video games and love this time. Okay. Or not love, but at least a Valentine's Day relationship sort of thing. And so I once again searched uh, PubMed and various uh, journal articles to see what's out there. And I have an article for us. The article is, and this is the legit title, What Factors Attract People to Play Romantic Video Games? This was published on April 16th, 2020, uh, published by the University of Edinburgh, Scotland, United Kingdom, as well as a joint project with the Osaka University in Osaka, Japan, uh, written by Mayu Koki, uh, Steve Lauhan, Sarah Staunton, and Midori Ban. So this is a legit article published in some location. But yeah, what factors do you think attract people to play romantic video games? Ooh, interesting. And I'll get into this because at first, because I, I remembered what saying did, so... something about romantic video games and like, oh, what is the most romantic? And I got like shitty bullshit lists, I think, last time of like, yeah, you got like a bunch of BuzzFeed articles. Like Mario was one where it was like, oh, Mario and the princess and stuff. This one, like any good research article, actually will define the term for us so we know what we're dealing with. Good. I was about to ask that. Like, what do they define as like a romantic video game? Or and romancer? so what they talk about is specifically the Japanese genre of RVGs, romantic video games, or also known as virtual romantic relationship simulators. RVG sounds a lot like Harvey Z. I like that touch, actually. It was one of the reasons <laughs> that I went with this, but I chose not to make that joke. But yes, so as the abstract itself says, this study, because this is a full thing, this study aims to examine the desire to play underlying playing, what is the desire to play underlying playing romantic video games? So why do these people play RVGs? They actually did two different studies, a pilot study, and then based on the pilot study, they changed it around and did a larger study to try to see if they could figure out what traits are in the type of gamer who is likely to go after an RVG or a romance simulator type game, uh, the ROG uh, genre in Japan, if you will. Which, if I remember, when I bought a Switch, I was amazed at these various titles and you quickly told me not to go down that road because <laughs> there was a whole lot of interesting switch titles out there i mean there are a lot of interesting switch titles i accidentally ended up looking at one the other day accidentally yeah no like i saw like it, it like it showed up as like a recommendation because i was looking at like things that were in like the the switch store that were on sale mm -hmm. and I can't remember the title of it or anything, but I, I clicked on it because I thought it might seem interesting. God, it was it was like, oh no, it wasn't a love game. Oh right, okay, never mind. I'm moving on. Forget it. Don't don't worry. About we don't it. even want to talk about it. Well, no, it was it was like it was a cyberpunk game. Ah, and it sounded interesting, but like the the main character was a unrealistically proportioned woman let's just leave it at that 
and that like I don't think I caught that when I initially clicked on it, but then like when you go to like the main page, it's just like boobs front and center. I mean, I was about and- to say this is just like where you should looking at Resident Evil Eight. <laughs> no, no, uh, God, I can't remember the name of it now. But it didn't look. It, it had like really bad reviews and wasn't a good game. So it's, I don't even need to like say what the name of the game was because Ooh. it didn't uh, didn't seem like it did anything interesting. Um, anyway, okay. sorry, no. random tangent. So we'll get to the article, the introduction. They have to set the tone and why they're even doing this and such. They point out, so what are RVGs? Usually in these types of games, a player will take the role of the protagonist that explores and engages in romantic, but not necessarily sexual, relations with virtual agents or agent. And they point out that RVGs have been growing. It's actually apparently in 2014, RVGs in Japan were worth $130 million a year, the whole genre itself. And in 2016... A single leading like uh, video game company or such that was making one of the leading RVGs made a hundred and two million dollars just from their RVG sales alone. So it's been around. It's definitely money making. And they point out again, popularity is there in Japan, but it's gl- gaining global fame. They note the appeal of these seems to be the capacity to mimic human romantic relationships. And now there's English proficient countries that are using it, the US, the UK, and so forth. And the key though for this study is, what is the psychology of these games? What what is it providing for the people who play RVGs? They're guessing that, is it emotional support, social engagement? Is it, who is the type of person that would be most likely to go after these sorts of games? And so they're going to come up with a hypothesis that they'll later test with their surveys and such. But what they're thinking is these games seem to fulfill psychological needs of a relationship and may avoid some of the barriers that hinder an actual romantic relationship. And then they get into this whole like... Like talking to real people. Sort of. They actually get into this part. And this is the part where I was like, oh, too real, too real, where they started talking about what... <laughs> What are the psychological characteristics of somebody? Why do we want relationships? And they scienced it down. And that's where I started to get like, okay. So they're just pointing out relationships seem to be a thing that humans are drawn towards. We want it. Why do we want them? Really what we want is satisfying relationships. And what's a satisfying relationship? A generalization, but they're going with healthy relationships. And healthy relationships create satisfied feelings in us so it's this sort of catch-22 where people seek healthy relationships in order to feel satisfied and when they're satisfied they're more likely to be in a healthy relationship if that makes sense so with this cycle how how do we pursue them the relationships will create positive factors on our physical health our mental health it gets into this whole paragraph on like why people in relationships live longer and do better have better blood pressures and all this fucking stuff for a single harvey z to like look at it be like Fuck you all. Fuck you all (laughs) living longer than Harvey Z and stuff like that. But fine. In my quest for immortality, it seems like Harvey Z needs to find somebody. (laughs) Then they noted, well, actually, it's not just that. It's relationship quality. Because there are single people who have better quality of life than people in relationships. Because those people in those relationships are not satisfied. They rate their relationships as unhealthy or there's some negative. So being single isn't me being shit out of luck. It's better than Mm -hmm. RBZ in a crappy relationship. 
is what they're going with. So in summary, we want satisfying relationships and these will increase our physical health. That's why we want to pursue it. And so how do we pursue relationships scientifically? And they brought it into various factors. The first factor, self-esteem plays a role in forming romantic relationships. What they've looked at, and this is where they started studying like previous research and like psychology and stuff, people have high self-esteem and low self-esteem and they sort of select towards relationships. People with low self-esteem view that as a barrier to having relationships. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they kind of go through this or cite previous studies, these folks tend to prioritize self-protection in a relationship. They have fears of getting hurt or they may view themselves as lesser and thus are more like less likely to pursue a relationship, which is risk. So they're more risk averse because they're, yeah, they're worried about that. It. That makes sense. That's, I was, that, uh, I was like, I, yeah, I, I can't, I, I couldn't yeah. argue with that. And I was like, I, I feel that I, maybe Harvey Z, uh, maybe there was a low self-esteem little Z out there one day who thought about those sorts of things. <laughs> then they pointed out, well, there's also people with high self-esteem. People with high self-esteem tend to report greater satisfaction in relationships. But what they also noticed, people with high self-esteem overestimate their chances of success in pursuing relationships more confident and are more likely to attempt at relationships, again, because of this self-perceived self-confidence. But inevitably, these people are then more likely to find satisfying relationships by virtue of they're shooting their shot more often. So their hmm. hypothesis that they're coming up with is, so RVGs, so, yeah, go for it. Like, like I, f I feel like this is kind of data that everyone knows. sort of yeah. knows. That's you, what, you know, that like people with confidence tend to actually attempt things more than people who don't have confidence in themselves. This is basically them setting up like a scientific foundation for what they're going to later put as their hypothesis, which is, got it. which is to like say, they, they've got to have they've, this. They've got to, like the, they're showing the science. They're showing the work that they did rather than just their conclusion, which is going to be like dorks play RVGs, but we'll get to dorks play RVGs in a little bit. So their hypothesis based on these previously established, like parameters and relationships, RVGs are safe and don't have as much of a risk of rejection. Thus, people who may be risk-averse, i.e. have low self-esteem, may be drawn to playing RVGs. Not controversial, because they're basing it on their, like, hey, we know this stuff, and if this is a safe version, who's it going to appeal to? Not the high-confidence person, but perhaps the low self-esteem person. So that's the first kind of hypothesis that they're going to go with. The second factor that they focused on was loneliness just straight up loneliness uh -huh. this is where i love this science like this is pure science here the sentence is we're gonna get like a loneliness stat here it's like, it's out just of, out of 100 their conclusion was simply romantic relationship status directly influences romantic loneliness huh. people in relationships are less lonely than those not in relationships okay i don't need a study <laughs> to tell me that no, no shit, Sherlock. Again, okay, they're like, setting I, up the foundation. That's a not controversial because they're going to come up with the next part. And so they're like, yeah, like I, I, I know they're establishing <laughs> it, but like, come on. So like, all this long winded stuff just to say, hey, people who are in a relationship aren't fucking as lonely as people who aren't. Give, give me a break. Because give me a break. what they're going okay, with. And so, again, the type of person most likely to play an RVG they're like, well, RVGs might be appealing 
because it creates a relationship, even if it's a virtual relationship, and might fulfill those who are unfulfilled in their belongingness, is what they called it, and may have a fear of actually being single even. This is where they start to get into people in unsatisfied relationships as well, may like RVGs. But their final kind of takeaway was lonely people are more likely to play RVG, whether they're in relationships or not, but they have increased feelings of loneliness is their they're kind of that's who we think is going to play an RVG more. But they gotcha. want it to be real nice and like scientific and not controversial about how they're coming down this with goal. Then what they focused on was there's the person who might find relationships are too difficult to maintain or to find. There's actual difficulties in the pursuit of a relationship. It takes effort and time. And then again, in a scientific thing, they reduced it down to one's return on investment of effort. People who feel that the return on investment of effort may not be worth a relationship are more likely not to pursue relationships because, hey, you go out, you spend money on a date, you do all this stuff, and then at the end, you might not like the person or you might get rejected after the first date. Those people, what about them? Hmm? Those poor fedora um, folks. Like, but that's part of dating. Like, everyone gets rejected after a first date. And like, there are people who don't want to be rejected. And for them, there's the RVG. They need to grow up and put on the big boy or girl pants or this, other this pants. This is where, again, like, they were like, those folks, an RVG might appeal to them. It's safer, and you know at the end of it that you're guaranteed success, assuming that you play the game enough, you will likely end up in a relationship with one of these virtual characters. Because they, as they pointed out, online dating is risky. It's not always going to pay off. <laughs> like, I saw something the other day. Someone was tweeting about romantic games or like, you know, these relationship games where you're basically sort of, you can still fuck them up. But in general, like, you're always going to like, get the person you're trying to go out with or whatever. Mm -hmm. And someone thought about was suggested making a game that deconstructed the genre where you just got rejected by everyone and you don't ever have a successful date but it still like plays like a dating sim and it and, like deconstructs the entire thing and i thought that would be pretty neat like i you know i think there's a couple out there like that are like that because hey everybody's into various things that's someone's but, like not, not but I'm i'm specifically trying to be like designing a game to deconstruct the genre not to appeal to a fetish like to specifically i know there are, yeah. there are people who are into being rejected and humiliated and like that sort of thing like is what they're looking for but i'm talking about more of like a deconstruction where like they take the stereotypes of the genre and sort of turn everything on its head like are you familiar with doki doki literature club that's what was coming to my mind i was like do you mean doki doki literature club but i was like i don't know it well enough but it's been a while since i've heard of it but i think that's like, like that one isn't exactly what i'm talking about because that's like a dating sim that evolves into well i don't want to spoil it because like it's one of those things where you either play it and find out like the twist is kind of like what makes the game yeah. interesting but it's it's not quite what i'm talking about but it's something in those in that vein yeah anyway please continue yeah. with oh, your stuff. they just have a few more characteristics which was so the next person who might find difficulty in real relationships but an appeal with rvgs those who have idealized standards 
they're very picky. They might not find satisfaction in like an actual real partner because they're going to find flaws. An RVG might present an idealized standard of beauty and thus increase their satisfaction scores with relationship and offer greater fulfillment than a average or real life partner. Makes sense. I mean, it was it's okay, fair enough. I mean, they're so picky. People that, love their waifus. Like, yeah, it's you're so picky that you would rather have an idealized virtual relationship than a less than I mean, ideal. Two D girls are better than three D girls. Sure, sure. And then they were, that that I, I'm not that yeah, is not my. These are this is science, uh, buddy. Going, oh, no, yeah. no, I'm I, I'm actually quoting a, a video game or, or referencing a video game. There, I'm not like that. That is not my opinion. Um, <laughs> that that there was a character in one of the Danganronpa games that uh. re- repeatedly said that 2D girls were better than 3D girls. <laughs> anyway, please, sorry, no, I keep interrupting. No, I, I appreciate the interruptions because otherwise this might get too uh, technical with its like assumptions and like. So basically, they went with. So this is our kind of thought process. RVGs appeal to people seeking higher self-esteem and or greater life satisfaction because they're not getting those in real relationships, but also to those perhaps who feel that there's too many barriers to dating or may have these other, I can't find my ideal girl type of people. So those guys and women, actually, they specify men and women can play these uh, dating simulators and such. So Mm -hmm. they kind of, they don't preferentially go for males on this one. Then they pointed out the other two things that these games tend to have, actually, or the most popular ones, physical contact and verbal interactions. And then there's a whole bunch of, like, paragraphs in science speak where they basically prove that, like, people benefit from touch and people benefit from, like, talking in relationships. Like, we don't need to go. It's, again, common sense. But, again, this is a scientific paper on, like, video games and they really want it to be, like, taken seriously. It's 14 pages long, this paper. This is, like, a whole thing on, like... This is what we know physically happens when people touch each other. It increases the strength of bonds. It releases neurotransmitters and thus touch is important in relationships. But the next one was even better, which is relationships that have been surveyed seem to show higher relationship interconnectedness and connection when people talk to each other on a regular basis. (laughs) But again, so we're just establishing the foundation. And then they actually pointed out because I was like, oh, well, these games, like, do they actually do this stuff? Apparently, yes. So the most popular game that they kind of point to is this game. I don't know. Love Plus is a Japanese reality dating simulator thing that's come up. It was apparently, though, on the Nintendo DS. I think I've vaguely heard of it. It sounds familiar, but I, I don't know. And what they point out is like, so this one was a genre innovative in that it used tactile feedback in that the DS had like a little stylus. And one of the things you can do in the game with your relationship partner was you could stroke their hair or like touch them with the pen and they would react and stuff and so this was their version of the tactile feedback kind of stuff and then they pointed out actually that the love plus version on the wii the nintendo wii had a balance board and you could use the balance board as a massage tool for the virtual female characters i don't actually know how or what because i haven't seen the massage board but i'm just like okay Okay, these these guys stayed real scientific. They didn't want to get wait, into wait. the erotica stuff, but it was just interesting how they like talk about this. Wait, what? When that what? So in Love Press, or it actually yes, this, the game was called Love Press for the VU, 
the oh, or oh, not the Wii U, okay. the Wii, the Nintendo I, Wii. I get it. There was a balance board which players could use as a massage tool for virtual female characters, and thus tactile interactions were seemingly an important function in RVG players who seemed oh, to choose this game. No, no. It created a more human-like like, relationship with the virtual uh, partner through the use of like, haptic and touch feedback. Like the 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 Wii's balance board was supposed to be used for like exercise. No, I'm sure plenty of people exercised with those things. I I, that, I did. <laughs> oh, I I played Wii Fit. I played Wii Fit and I I exercised on it for a little. Oh, I mean, you should have gotten Love Press. You could have done other could things. Could have with... massaged somebody <laughs> through a Wii balance board. No, thank you. Your partner, oh. your romantic partner of choice. But yes. And then yeah. they point out the verbal function in Love Plus. One of the things that was, again, a huge plus for the game was that the characters would call you by the names and the, the names were voiced by real, like real people actually voiced the feed, like voice acting, basically. But I'm not sure. It wasn't clear. And I don't know on Love Plus if you had a preselected name and the characters would say that name or if you typed in your name, then there was like a simulated thing that said your name by the but a real person would say it kind of thing and not a robotic voice is what they were kind of highlighting. And apparently when they surveyed like female RVG players in the past, that was a very big plus for them was like hearing one's voice. And so a voice element to these games makes them more appealing or at least the more successful ones incorporated that. Cause that was the other thing. This isn't just designed for like players, but they were like, this is why we're doing the research is so video game companies can, uh, you know, find out exactly who to appeal to and how to maximize profits and stuff by focusing on these guys. You need to have touch feedback if you're going to make one of these games, and you need to have vocal slash voice feedback or functionality to motivate people to play is how they kind of okay. just put it. And so with all of that foundation stuff, their final hypothesis, which is what will they expect to find when they survey these folks, based on their previously stated blah, 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 we expect these games will appeal to people with low self-esteem, People who are lonely and dissatisfied, who have high idealized standards for their partners, and also people who view the game as being able to fulfill whatever their needs are for a touch and verbal intimacy that they feel that they are lacking in life. Right. Dorks. Doctor Zed, Doctor Zed, can I? Uh, yeah. Can I butt in here for a second? We're about to hit the forty-five minute ah. mark on our podcast. We'll speed up the research. So, yeah, so so we've we've done all the setup and we've gotten to the hypothesis. We haven't even gotten to the experiment or what their conclusion is. We can so, get to that very quickly. Which is Doctor yeah. Zed and his his PhD need to work on condensing material a little bit here. Anyway, okay. please continue. Okay. I've worked very hard for this Z, but <laughs> the uh, so basically their method was they first did like a forty. Uh, three people survey college students all between ages 19 and 23 they paid them it was all in japan mm -hmm. male and female they paid them four dollars and fifty cents and gave them college credit and then they basically came up with a whole system of survey questions yes they did actually have a loneliness scale a life satisfaction scale a self-esteem scale and a desire to play rvg scale that they kind of used for all of this there was a whole bunch of shitload of math and calculations and what do you think their conclusions were in the 42? Oh, and the one weird thing. So the Love Plus game is designed with female virtual avatars. So they just told the women, pretend like you're men and answer the survey. Wait, <laughs> are you fucking serious? They made them watch a two minute video on the game. And then they said, and they picked people who didn't play this game. And they just said, would you be likely to play this? And by the way, how lonely are you? 
How do you feel about yourself? And what's going on? But better questions than that. But yeah. And pretend you're a man. And for women, yeah. Pretend you're a dude. And would this appeal to you as a dude? Yeah. Uh, that was they, I, they, they went back and fixed it. But this was the first thing. And basically okay. what they pointed out was, yeah, we fucked up. Uh, nothing on their hypothesis, none of it correlated. Nothing was statistically significant. Um, the only thing that even could have been coming close because like the whole like desire to play this game was unrelated to romantic relationships, life satisfaction, loneliness almost hit it, but it wasn't significant enough to say that there is even a correlation. So they were like, fuck, nothing happened except what they did. They're like, was our survey fucked up? No, what was correct, people who had high self-esteem reported greater life satisfaction and people who had low self-esteem did report greater loneliness. So they were like, this stuff did match up, but what we thought would match up didn't work out. So uh-huh. it that stuff was all unrelated to the desire to play RVGs. And they noted that people seem to like touch and voice with RVGs. RVGs that mm-hmm. offered touch and voice were more appealing, but that was not related okay. to your loneliness and all that stuff. So they were like, got fuck it. this, we got to do this again and better. So what they did this time was they changed the sample size from 40 to like 230, no more money. They gave them college credit instead. All again, like college age psychology students in Japan. This time they actually picked a game that had male protagonists for the women and female protagonists. So again, they pointed out and they were well aware that they're going for heteronormative couples here or whatever. And so heterosexual coupling is the survey responders. So they didn't factor in those who might be um, bisexual or those who may be homosexual or things like that. And they pointed out this time, fuck the self-esteem shit. We didn't get anything with that. Fuck the life satisfaction. We're still going to ask them about loneliness though. But this time we're going to ask them about other things about like social skills, happiness, what they expect out of this game. Why would they play this? And so they changed up their survey basically. And then what did they conclude? They ended up concluding that It's kind of intuitive, but they came up with a value of basically people who believed in RVGs, that RVGs have something to offer, were more likely to want to play an RVG. And Mm -hmm. what that means, though, is people who believe that RVGs could create social relationship skills and could create like positive value out of playing them or these games have a value to them are more likely to want to play these games for those reasons. And yes, lonely people did seem to want to play RVGs. That. So so it's basically like all in your mind like if you want you would want you to play this like... if you feel like you would get something out of it not just like like oh it's a hot trick or something but like this might fit my loneliness this might make me better at socializing with real people this might make me better at communicating like people who wanted to get something out of the game played the games more, or were more likely to want to play the games like doesn't that just see it's sort of i feel like that applies to like any game you know like every video game i want to play i feel like i play because i i get something out of it you know they would in their final conclusions make that into like what they know about video games in general that this does correlate with that sort of stuff the other part that they noted that was a little weird and i highlighted it because it's it's hard to believe that or hard to like explain because again this is written slightly weird it's awkward in the phrasing of things um people who believed that voice and touch interactions with virtual characters are important were more likely to feel that these games would improve their ability to to voice and touch real people so the people who believe that yes these like the weird 
Nintendo boards and the DS touching and stuff might make them better at it in real relationships, we're more likely to feel like these games would serve that purpose and be more likely to play RVGs. And then they were like, wait a second, what did the guys think versus the females? And then they separated out that by gender. And when they did it by guys, guys were positive correlations across the board for everything basically, which is desire to play RVGs and loneliness. Yep. Social skills and RVGs. So low social skills and wanting to improve it. Yep. Positive affect enhancement, meaning the, they felt like this game would improve their ability at relationships. Yep. And importance of voice. Yep. Importance of touch. Yep. Guys wanted all of those things. And then they were like, <laughs> of okay, yeah. But what about for like females? The other part though, before they got to the females was also what it seems like is again, the sense of psychological and mental improvement through virtual relationships is what the guys seemed highest to correlate with. Like the guys who felt like this game would make them better partners were more into these games to improve that stat skill, if you will. And then for women, it actually was correlated with social skills. And again, that belief of these games would improve you in some way, like relationship wise, then you're more likely to play it. And they also highlighted that voice is important and that they were actually higher than the males. So they concluded females were especially valuing voice, less so on the touch thing. They did point out though, there's no male touch uh, simulators, which they were very delicate about that. But yeah, only the only touch games involve well, I, females. I wonder why that is. That would be an interesting study. Maybe they should look into that yeah. next time. So that's an untapped market, apparently, for people out there. It's just... They need... Untouched market, mm. if you will. Yes. And then the other thing... So their final thing was... was so their assumptions, which were psychological factors, self-esteem, life satisfaction, and such, they were concluding... Yeah, that's actually what predicts who would play an RVG. The only thing in that realm is loneliness is correlated. If you're lonely, you're more likely to find the appeal of an RVG. And your loneliness is killing me. Or making you a better virtual gamer. Hey. Or making you a better gamer. They also pointed yes. out a random fun fact. Apparently one of the most popular uh, high school careers for job employment as a female in Japan. It is to be a voice actor for these types of games. For a female junior <laughs> high student. So they're like, yay, this is creating jobs. The, again, uh, uh, they're I trying mean, real yeah, hard okay. to be like, All right. this is the value of our research. We did important research here. And then they finally noted the one weird thing is... The one? The just one, one weird thing about this? Okay. The negative correlation, there was one. The desire to play an RVG was negatively correlated with real-life voice interaction relationship factors. So what they meant was people who highly rated voice as an important thing, both in video games and in real relationships, that was across the board. People wanted communication. But people who uh -huh. reported having high levels of voice interaction with their real partners, less likely to play an RVG. However, people in relationships who subjectively didn't like the voice interactions that they had with their partner, more likely to play an RVG. Just a little interesting, like, if you're unsatisfied with the uh, communication with your real partner, you might be more likely to seek out an RVG. So that was the one, like, interesting relationship one that kind of that popped out. Otherwise, they were like, let's think about it with our video game research. What they basically said was, it seems like video games tend to be, like, by the scientific community, broken down into skill acquisition and positive affect creation, which is video games. People play video games to be happy 
and people who presume that this game will make them happy are more likely to play those types of games. And so that's one genre of why people game. This seems to fall into that, but they're pointing out we're the first people. No one else has studied these RVGs and people play RVGs when they feel like they're going to either be made happier by it or for skills acquisitions. They point out apparently in the strategy game world, people who play strategy game to improve their intellect and solve problems better, it, that falls into this category. Like games make you smarter in some way or you feel like you're enhancing your cognition. The people who felt like RVGs would improve their relationships, again, more likely to play them. Thus, the skills acquisition gamer is more likely to play an RVG for that reason. So they were like, our study actually lines up with video game research that's out there as well, but we're the first to do it in Japanese erotic games. So <laughs> thus we have, and then their future studies were like, we need to do this in China and the US and all sorts of other places. And then maybe we could also do this with the non-heterosexual um, people as well. And we can ask other people about it and see what's going on. And then maybe we can, and then they pointed out just because people believe this, they don't actually know if RVGs make people better at social relationships and stuff. They were like, this is all on the assumption that people have. So maybe we should actually talk to some RVG players to see, are they better at relationships or not? But yeah, so that was my uh, Harvey Z research or sorry, not Harvey Z, but the PHZ moment of the whole like video games in the publications of like actual scientific journals and stuff. So what I got out of that is we already knew everything. Well, that... I, I was about to say, well, it's not like lonely dorks who are playing these games, but it is lonely people playing the games, but it's yeah. not people who are like, as their assumptions were people who have low self-esteem, unrealistic expectations, stuff like that. That doesn't inherently mean that you're going to play an RPG. Rather, it's people who are just lonely or they're just, you know, trying to better themselves in a, I can't get what I'm getting in the real world. Maybe this will help me. But still, they wanted to get better in the real world as well. Like, it wasn't just people who were like the nerdy stereotype of all I need is my virtual girlfriend. And that's right, like, yeah. these are people who are, maybe if I do this, I'll get a real girlfriend or guy friend or so forth. But yeah, it was maybe heartwarming in that. I don't know. Like... Sort of. Only lonely people want romance games, not just lonely, nerdy people who hate women. Yeah. Or men. Yeah, maybe. And then the whole, like, we don't actually know if any of this is true. This is all just based on assumptions. So, <laughs> happy Valentine's Day, folks. Happy Valentine's Day. Go play a romantic game. And if you catch your partner playing an RVG, maybe you should talk to them more. <laughs> I think it's interesting just as a as a short summary of how like games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age and like that that style of BioWare RPG got really popular in part because people really got into like the romance options and being able to like romance your crew and and pick your favorite person and have a really awkward sex scene with them. I feel like, I mean, if you're trying to make a game that appeals to as many people as possible, like incorporating little aspects of other games, like I loved XCOM for actually like just the character development and character design and dressing up my characters and naming them. That was almost like a simulator rather than the action components. Like games that cross genres really appealed to me as a casual gamer, perhaps. But it's almost like... 
people who wanted romance and games gravitated towards those RPGs because you don't really get like like there there's obviously a big plot element and RPG and combat and everything in the Mass Effect and Dragon Age games as well but like the majority of the conversation always tends to be out be about who you romanced <laughs> and I just I find that interesting like regardless of like your casualness or hardcoreness or whatever kind of gamer you are like a lot of people are like so who we fucking oh yeah oh uh, I mean so when you said like who we fucking it changes it from like I was about to go with like it's sort of like with movies and books like people have ships and like that creates like sort of this in club of like who do you ship together and you find other people who have similar ships? I mean, that's what this sort of is. But I think I, it's different for like Mass Effect because you're playing as the protagonist uh-huh. and the protagonist is kind of a blank slate that you can like you answer the questions for and kind of act them out the way you want them to act out. And so it's it's a little more like who you, the protagonist, want to fuck versus like what characters you want to see together. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think I think it's interesting and how like good RPGs tend to need to have that sort of element in them now, especially western RPGs because of the trend that Mass Effect had on like games in general and how horny people got over <laughs> Mass Effect. Do you think it's anyway, a good thing? It it's never going to be a thing that drives me personally to pick a game. Like I don't mind games having that element in it, but I have never like, for example, let's, let's take the example of three houses. I played three houses and I knew who my favorite character was. And that's who I got to be with like my version of Byleth. Uh But Like, that wasn't, like, the main driving point of the game for me. And, like, if the game had existed without a romance option for, like, the main character, like, I probably still would have been fine with playing the entire game anyway. But, like, it's never been, like, the the impetus. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to play this game so I can fuck so-and-so. Yeah, I'm thinking of like, because I've certainly had crushes on video game characters or like even side characters and wanted them thus around or in my party because I'd get to see more of them and hang out more with them and that sort of thing. I don't know if it's quite in the same like, where it's like, oh, like the appeal of this person is purely a attraction one. And not necessarily this is the strongest or best person to have in my like party, but rather, how do I make this person work? Because I really like them and they're going to be in my party, damn it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that is true i i do do that so that's why like agrius and like final fantasy tactics they agrius would always be in my party and just i had to change around her job class and everything but yeah yeah well that does it for our valentine's day episode ish like sort of maybe a little bit we talked about cum dungeons we talked about rvgs talked a little bit about mass effect Mass Effect is on the brain because the uh, the re- trilogy is re-releasing on the PS4 and other things, not Switch. Um, uh. But it's a good RPG. They're, they're remastering the first game, which is the one that needed the most like retouches. So like there's going to be significant changes to the first game that might actually make it better. 
graphics wise or like play wise or graphics wise and a little bit control wise and like they're updating the combat to sort of more reflect the game the following games because two and three really made things a little bit easier to play and like generally felt better like mass effect one was always sort of regarded as the best at being the rpg part of the game Mm -hmm. But then, like, 2 and 3 had kind of the best, like, combat and, like, gameplay uh, because they sort of streamlined everything. And so I think they're they're doing a lot to make Mass Effect 1 exist on the same level as the other two games. Got it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that's it for this week. Um, Harvey Z, where can they find you? It's changed. You can find me now changed. on Twitter at Make Me a Harvey Z. So I have to ask. Sure. Why? Why is it Make Me a Harvey Z? Why wasn't it just Make Me Harvey Z? Because it it sounds like you're making a copy of yourself, or like I don't know. So I was. That's an interesting question because I was like, it sounded better because I thought about Make Me Harvey Z, and it was like that felt like you were telling me to make you like Make Me Harvey Z. <laughs> make me comma rvz and it's like i'm not making anybody out here and like ooh, but like the connotations at that time were like uh, and then i went to like i'm a made man and i'm a gangster and goodfellas was it got weird my thought process with like that and i was like make me a harvey z though i was like because we are we're not make me a gamer that's true but like i was like it's like a drink or maybe it's a philosophy make me a harvey z like you too one day could be like harvey z like uh, you can be the, a Harvey I, Z, not the Harvey Z, because I'm the Harvey Z. But when you say that, you're in a way you're all trying to be a little bit more like make me a Harvey Z. Like I feel like is like you're going up and ordering something. You're like, hey, can you you make me a Harvey Z? Like, yeah, sure. We got the the ingredients for that. I'm okay with Coming that. Right that was I was going with like a Harvey <laughs> Z would be a mixed drink of some sort. Was if you ordered a Harvey <laughs> Z, it would be probably something some variation of like a Long Island iced Z. All right. Hit us up at, at our our email at make me a gamer podcast at gmail dot com. If you were ordering a Harvey Z. What would you be ordering? I would love this to. It's a very know. important question. I, I would love this question. Please, you can even tweet me that. <laughs> What's a Harvey Z to you? <laughs> All right. We want to hear it. Get, give us your answers. You can find me on Twitter at also a new place. Uh, my new Twitter is Atma underscore Phoenix. How do they Atma spell it? Is Atma is A T M A. Atma is a reference to. Atma Weapon from Final Fantasy VI. Oh. Uh, so yeah. So my yeah, that that is my new my new Twitter is Atma underscore Phoenix. And my new website is uh the T Man writes still like forwards to to the blog and everything, but I have changed my website's name to Atma's Weapon as a play on the idea of the pen is mightier than the sword, the pen is my weapon, Atma's weapon, but then Atma weapon is also from Final Fantasy VI. It's, it makes sense in my head. I, for some reason, I didn't want to just go with Atma rights, which would I, I didn't feel right. But anyway, play on words, sort of, I don't know, whatever. Twitter, Atma underscore Phoenix, writing Atma, Atma's weapon dot com. Email us, make me a gamer podcast at gmail.com. 
Twitter us at Make Me a Podcast. Uh, you can join our Discord in the description below. And that's it for us. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Harvey Z, take us out. I just wanted to point out, I wasn't sure if you knew or if you were going for it, because when I first heard like Atma, it's a significant word in like Hinduism slash Sanskrit, which is to say, oh, really? it means essence, breath or soul, but it's also, so it's Atman, A-T-M-A-N, but it's also pronounced Atma, just how you're pronouncing it and without the N. And it's the first principle, which is the true self of an individual is beyond identification with phenomenon. It's in fact the essence of an individual beyond the physical world. So it's one hmm. soul or one what is beyond just here. And like basically the driving principle for all the rest of Hinduism of like how can you attain this utmost essence of oneself, imperishable beyond time. Not the same as body or mind or consciousness, but something beyond which permeates permeates all of these concepts. So oh. It's a very powerful name. I did not name. know that. That's why. It's a very powerful name. Okay. Well, that was a complete happy accident. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks Namaste. for letting me know that.